Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy, NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and training camp is back. Oh, are we all so happy? It's all so normal. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's still a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, the news is still cack, cackola because we don't really have anything and in fairness to the organisation, they've wheeled out uh, Brian Gutkunst. Um, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Clark. You know, they've given us some nice big names. Kenny Clark looking for a whopper payday. Uh, definitely the keystone of the defense. Aaron Rodgers, fill in the blanks. Uh, and the good Kunstan LaFleur. And they interviewed them and they got all their questions. And what did we get? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I feel bad for the Riders because this is the first time that they've. Uh, got a chance to tackle some of the dudes from the organisation, some of the players, pick their brain and all that kind of thing. However, the same old questions kept coming up. Uh, I think with some of these things, what do I know? I'm just a patty. Uh, but with some of these things, sometimes what I find is, it's just like that, um, you know, you get a guest in in your school. A lot of us listening, and me included, uh, <laughs> who's also listening back again I'm wondering why I'm talking about this but you know when you're in school and like you have to like someone feels like they have to ask a question and they ask it and everyone's like oh Jesus Christ we want to go home it it has that vibe off it sometimes so Brian uh, tell us about the challenges <laughs> it's just like he's got to keep saying the same thing do you know what interviewing sports stars is, is one of the most difficult it's very hard to get any semblance of an answer at all the best lads I found, which is why at the end of this podcast, I'm, I've am i spliced together some of my sort of, you know, favorite answers or little bits and pieces from some of the interviews that I've done over the years, which usually I do during the off season. And it's still kind of the off season because we're not going to know anything. But when you ask a, a sports star now, they don't usually give you a candid answer. And that's why I retweeted on the group account Aaron Rodgers when he was talking to Kyle Brand about how he felt and he had the scotch and tequila and all this lark uh, because it was pretty candid. But I find they keep asking Aaron Rodgers the same questions and he keeps giving the same answers, obviously. There's absolutely no point in asking Aaron Rodgers about his future. He doesn't know. In fact, the organisation, I don't think, even has a rashers. What's going on? And it's been complicated by COVID. I would imagine they saw a quarterback who could be the future. They drafted him. They wanted to get a good look at him. Um, and then, you know, roll into a couple of seasons and see what they have. And then they'd have a risky decision with this pandemic. It also it almost makes it kind of, you know, it's obviously harder because they won't get a chance to take a look at them. Like one of the questions that they asked Matt LaFleur was, is hilariously, is he in around the same place that he was last year with the rookies? Is he so far behind? Is he going to be able to catch up? And he's had one walkthrough. So, hey. What you think? <laughs> you know, he hasn't got to see these dudes at all. He's not going to get to see him. The only thing I, both, I think bodes well for Matt LaFleur from what we saw last year, we have a very small sample size, is the fact that he has shortened um, practice times. He doesn't sort of agree with running these lads into the ground. He works an awful lot in the film room. And we'll have to see... You see, I was going to say we'll have to see this year what happens and 
if last year was not just sort of circumstance that came down to it, us winning games late and all this kind of thing. But we're not going to get to see that. It's just, it's going to be a weird season. And it's we can't put our life on hold, I guess, indefinitely. And that comes down to sport as well. There comes a time where you have to play it. But with other sports, with the amount of players coming down with this illness, it really is one of those things where you're not going to get... And the amount of players opting out, of course, including Devin Funches, which the responses on the tweets and Facebooks and everything else was so predictable. What did the receiver... Yeah. And you're right. I mean, you know, we did need to address the position. They addressed it somewhat and it sort of blew up in their face then. Not to blame Devin at all because it's to do with, you know, a family member of his had it and he's protecting his family. Power to him. But it's just, you know, you're playing a season. It's it's kind of, this is what annoys me as well. It's kind of the criticism that was leveled at Don Hudson in the sense that he played during World War Two, So the thinking was and the criticism is, is that he was so dominant, but he was dominant because, you know, the league was decimated by people being drafted, people signing up for the army, uh, fighting the war, uh, you know, and that's that's the criticism there, that he didn't have proper competition. Where is this season going to go down if it does play at all? Because one of the other things I had to laugh at was is that someone asked a Matt LaFleur a question, he answered it based on what they asked him, and then it's breaking news. This is exactly why people don't want to ask <laughs> or answer questions when it comes to stuff. You know, because they sort of feel like they're being lured into a trap. So the one that he was asked was, is, you know, with COVID and if your quarterback goes down, your team goes down. So are you going to sort of put in some system where you have a quarterback that's not even in the facility, is not, um, you know, doesn't come into contact with the other players? And if you need to plug and play someone outside the facility entirely at quarterback, are you thinking about it? And he said, yeah, you know, that's an option. And then he becomes breaking news. Matt LaFleur says he's going to have... <laughs> it's just like... No, he didn't. He's just... You gave him an idea. They've, they're exploring probably every, every avenue. And he's saying, yeah, look, that makes a ton of sense. We're looking at that as well. But frankly put, I mean, we've had quarterbacks who've been in the building years. Um, and Aaron's gone down and they've come in, Brett Hundley. And uh, it hasn't worked out. So whether you have someone in the building or someone outside or whatever, it's, the end result's probably going to be the same. Now, I know it's not going to be the same if... Aaron has it and he's in the quarterback room and all the other quarterbacks have it and the quarterbacks coaches have it. Just how effective can you be? In that regard, it's kind of a trash season, right? Um, because it's it's wasted anyway. And the Patriots are, you know, are going to be, I don't know what type of team they're going to be fielding. It's just odd. It's just a really weird sporting season. Um, and I do see people remarking that even the sports that are back, it has that preseason feel because, you know, you have people sitting out, people opting out, people getting sick. Um, games being postponed, teams losing when they shouldn't, you know, weird plays, and not in a good way. So it's still all very up in the air. And there's an element as well where they will ask, you see, the real teams that will have success this season, if the season goes ahead, will be the teams that manage virus protection, um, film study, virtual meetings, all this type of stuff. And then can somehow translate that to on-field play. Um, so when they ask these teams, oh, what's the challenge or what are you doing around specifically around this? You know, there's an element that the, the franchise doesn't really want to answer it. You know, they're kind of like, yeah, well, you know, we've got some things in place. I don't want to get into it. But they don't want to give their hand away or sort of um, it's technological warfare almost at this stage. So it's kind of that mixed with the questions that 
don't ask a question if you know what the answer you're going to get back. So if you go, what well, is it challenging, you know, dealing in this environment with the players because you can't, you know, train? And the answer you're going to get is, yeah, <laughs> it is. Of course it is. Um, so, yeah, there, there isn't a lot of value in, in that type of news um, and those type of questions. It's only when we start sort of digging into it. Another one was about the O-line. You know, you've Taylor around. Um, what are you going to do with him? Is he going to compete for a spot? And the answer that was received was, yeah, he's going to compete for a spot. Everyone's going to compete for a spot. Um, And that's the same way it is all the time. We see that at running back, especially when players went down. Um, Yeah, of course, you you want to field your best five, not just who you've signed. We've seen a couple of instances in the past where, you know, someone's brought in to do a job and and then they don't play a whole lot. Um, There was a couple of mysteries on that last year as well where players were brought on and just kind of left sitting on the bench, which was odd. But you, you play your best players, you play your players who are having a, a bit of a streak, um, and that's just how it is. But we haven't got any sort of clear-cut answers. We have seen more players, however, being thrown onto the COVID list, Mason Crosby being one of them, which is really concerning. But there's a case in point. So what happens if Mason gets COVID? You know, this is the all-time leading point scorer with the Packers. What do you do in that instance? So you have to bring in some other guy, um, last-minute kickers or, you know... Hard to come by anyway. Just ask the Bears. So it's just your whole season could come, you know, because if you look at last season, that's kind of what happened with us. There's a couple of games. The few that stand out are the ones against the Lions. I think it was the only season ever that a team beat another team twice uh, and didn't do it in regulation, but also kind of didn't go into overtime. You know, two last minute kicks or whatever it ended up being. So, you know, literally based on Mason's boot, we won those games. And that's sometimes the fine margin that these games come down to. So it's just, I don't know how it's going to work or if they're going to truck on with it, but you better believe they're going to try because it all comes down to the money aspect. I mean, you know, there's businesses, people personally being decimated by this whole thing. So they're going to look to try get this thing moving in some way. And you best believe there's going to be some really weird fan fan initiatives, I would imagine. Like, God knows what they're going to do. The obvious one is to put the cardboard cutouts in the stands and you pay for the privilege to try to get your cardboard face on TV. And um, we've seen that in sports stadiums around the place. Who knows? Maybe, you know, they had a thing in Irish rugby where you could sign up and the, the number on the back of the jersey was made up of people's names. So maybe they do some sponsorship around that. Maybe they put your face on the kickoff ball and Mason Crosby can smash your face in with a kick. Um, You know, who knows? But they're going to try some initiative to get this thing rolling for sure because they do, the salary cap thing is, is the main thing, you know. And that's another leveler, isn't it really? You know, all this talk about that they can't keep Lindsley and Bakhtiari and um, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and, you know, so many players coming up for grabs. Um, but if the salary cap goes down and you, you would imagine the valuation of these players dips you know, in relation to that, not necessarily really coveted and you have some people with ridiculous um, salary cap cash. But, you know, it should fall. It should follow the market trend. If you think of like houses in a recession, you know, you'll have a house that's sold for, you know, 250K and it's down to 110 solely because people don't have the money and that's might be the way it goes. But, you know, just it just adds complication upon complication. But anyway, in lieu of much real, you know, actual news to delve into apart from some fake lark, I'm going to dip into some interview stuff. But before I do, the Kenny Clark jersey is going across the Irish Sea as we speak uh, to the winner, David. And Chris as well. Uh, Chris, I see you. Uh, you got sent a prize for 
commenting on the YouTube and, uh, you know, great interaction there. And your name actually came out second, as you know, um, for that signed pick for the 1919 Club Raz. And again, like people coming in asking what it is. Um, so there's enough info on the website now and in the tweet that was put out. And if you don't want to miss a draw, you can get onto patreon.com forward slash UK Packers and you can get onto multiple tiers. One of them just supports us um, and we're really grateful for that. The other one is a t-shirt tier, so you get a T after six months. Um, and the other one then is the gold tier, which when you enter that, you get entered into the monthly draw. And you know what? I was just thinking about what type of value that is. It is pure bonkers that for £4, you can get a jersey worked between 120 to 150 plus postage for four quid. Uh, sent out so even if you were to join 20 draws which is 80 pounds you know you're likely to come out with something you know someone out there can do the the probability on it but for four quid and you know you come in and there are different names definitely coming out every every time first and second so even signed picks that are worth you know a good bit um and again some really decent players i don't be going out getting uh muck players they're they're, they're really good some his, great historical players uh dave robinson's in the store and he'll be coming up for a raz uh some of the jerseys coming up adrian amos jace sternberger uh, and of another kenny clark to give away as a darius smith signed mini helmet uh, because the mason crosby signed mini uh, actually sold during the week which is an unreal piece i mean the fact that he inscribed it with all-time leading score that'll never happen again in our lifetime or maybe ever just the way the circumstances fell so some great items in the shop and some brilliant items coming up for raz as well so if you jump onto the patreon you just make sure that you never miss out and you also get a free t-shirt too uh, sent out to you after six months which is the press box polo you can get the beanie sent out uh, get ready for winter you can have your mask on you can have your beanie on uh, so you're looking pretty gangster so patreon.com forward slash uk packers pretty decent anyway i'll get on to some interview stuff hopefully you enjoy this stuff it's um you know, some big names in the media, some big name players as well. And hopefully we'll have more to talk about next week uh, when training camp properly gets underway. And, you know, hopefully we'll hear some reports back from the poor new starved beat writers uh, when they get their hands on, you know, some of the play and some of the strategy and, and see how things are really going. Because some absolute stellar stuff as usual from Obdomovsky and Matt Schneidman and all Jason Wilde and all the boys and women who cover the beat. So, yeah, looking forward to delving in when those lads can, and ladies can get their hands on something more tangible. But let's jump over now to some of the interview stuff. So this was fun. I'm missing training camp and I should be talking to players. I should be talking to media personnel and everything else uh, all about training camp. But like I said earlier in the pod, that's not really going on. So this is when I asked Mason Crosby back in 2016 exactly what training camp entails for him. Yeah, so uh, so now with the new CBA, um, you know, established a few years ago, we we start our training camp off with two non-padded practices, um, just to kind of get in, get guys moving around, not to just start hitting right off the bat. And yeah. then, so to, uh, Thursday was our first um, first full padded practice. So that's uh, it's a longer practice, tough day, um, and, and all of our practices have been 8.15 in the morning so far this uh, this week to start off, and so that obviously, you know, adds a little wrinkle of getting up early, getting out on the practice field, kind of getting the energy, you know, up quick. Uh, there's been some, there's been some, you know, bad blood, the, the padded practice, first padded practice, there's always a fight or two, <laughs> offense, defense, you know, they get a little, you know, uh, get a little tired with each other and a little rough and so 
uh, you always have an offensive, defensive line and kind of go at it. But uh, you know, but that's what camp's about. So we're uh, yeah, we're right in the thick of things. Uh, started off with pads, and now here in a couple days we'll have uh, our annual family night um, in Lambeau Field, where we um, and we fill Lambeau Field. We uh, we have seventy five thousand you know people come out, yeah. and tickets are only ten dollars a piece. So lots of families bring their kids and. Uh, have a fireworks show after, and uh, we get to kind of get to get an experience, start kind of getting used to having uh, having fans around uh, at, at a high level again. So, really, you know, really fun time. Obviously, I've been doing this now. This is my tenth training camp here in Green Bay, and um, you know it, uh, it feels like old hat, but I, I get excited every time every time I get to come back and uh, and have another camp. It's only when you listen back to some of this stuff. Um, and you hear him talking about family night and training camp and everything else. And of course, me and Mason, I've had him on the podcast so much now, we're technically related. Um, and it's just heartbreaking, really, isn't it? Um, but to go from one superstar, uh, all-time leading point scorer, has been that now for so long. Uh, I got to talk to Kenny Clark at a stage in his career. He was going into his third year. Mike Daniels and Clay Matthews and everybody else was still around. And I got to pick his brain on a couple of things. But one of those things was, is what was it like for him being so young? Because remember, he was 20 uh, when he came to Green Bay. He was like, And he was sort of an... People didn't really know what uh, Ted Thompson was doing when he drafted him. He wasn't uh, one of those sort of massive names that was obvious to people. And he worked out like an absolute superstar. So um, I let myself do the talking, I guess. But this is me asking Kenny Clark about what that locker room experience was like from the off. Talking about talking to people that could be potentially intimidating, you know, you're so young. Matt Kersey wanted to ask you a question. He's a he's a big fan of yours here. And he wants to know, was it intimidating walking into a locker room at just 20 years of age? And if I can add to that, within that locker room, you've you've big defensive players like Clay Matthews and Mike Daniels. I mean, what was that experience like being so young and being around players like that that are just superstars in the game? Yeah, I walked in. Yeah, I walked in when I was 20. So um, I walk in and I first... First people I see is, is Clay and, and Julius, yeah, and and Mike and Aaron, and I'm like, wow, like you know what I'm saying, like these guys that I've been watching since I was a kid, and, and now, you know, I'm on the team with them. So uh, that that was a crazy moment for me, and then um, yeah, just just the whole overall aspect, of just me being 20, mm. and uh, it wasn't it wasn't really intimidating. It was. I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a quiet guy, shy guy anyway. So yeah. when I got in, I was kind of you know just chilling, just kind of quiet. And then uh, when I got to, I was I want to say like yeah, I, I was more just you know just trying to listen to those guys, just you know just trying to be quiet, trying to uh, learn from Julius, learn from Mike and, mm. and Clay, and um, just see you know the things that make that make them great, and try to apply that stuff into into my game really. That's what I say about that. Well, I tell you what, like, because what we always see in the media is, and it's amazing that the media can be very misleading, right? Now, over here, we're a fan club. Uh, you know, we do the media stuff side of things as well, but we're not in any way looking for like a scoop or a story. Whereas that's the way it can be in the states, and we see these sort of um teams that run through the media. They say one thing, and all of a sudden it becomes fact. But it might be very different for you players. One of the things that we always see is is that you're always coupled with Mike Daniels. The two of you guys are kind of seen as just the absolute, you know, phenom beasts of the defense, him being the older statesman, you being the up-and-coming rising star. And they always set up in the media this kind of that, you're his kind of protege that you learn from from Mike. 
How much of that is actually uh, true, Kenny? I mean, do you have a that type of relationship with Mike Daniels? Do you, are you seen more now as equals? What's that dynamic like in the locker room for the two of you? Uh, I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, I respect him. You know, I respect Mike. Uh, I respect the way he plays. I respect the way uh, he goes about his business and the way he works. Um, and, you know, I, well, I will say that when I first got there, um, he took me under his wing and, and made sure um, – he, he, when I first got there, when I first got drafted, he called me and told me that you know they needed me, yeah. And uh, I was I was gonna make a lot of plays for the defense, and he was gonna help. I was gonna help him uh, free him up and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, when I when I yeah when I first got there, you know he was one of the first guys that contacted me. So um, he definitely took me under the wing, and I re- I really respect him for that, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And then. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I just really just looked at all those guys. You know, you got a core, a core group of guys that that played at the at the highest level in the league, and we got them all on one team. Mm. And you know, I mean, being a rookie coming in, that's the that's the only thing you can do is just really just watch those guys, uh, just you know, be humble about the situation that you're in, uh, and and work hard and 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 look at what makes those guys great. You know, that's what I think. That was so cool about you know watching Mike and and uh, Julius. You know you see Mike, he he works hard. On, you see him, you know, yelling and stuff on the field. But mm. uh, all that confidence that he has, all that all you know the way he's the way he's talking to people on the field, the way he feels like that is because you know the work that he puts in in the off season. You know, and uh, I know when people when people aren't watching him and people aren't watching him on TV, I know he's putting in the work. You know, right now, you know, so. Uh, those are things that that makes that that makes those guys great, mm. and you know I, I want to be in that same boat when I got drafted. You know I I never I never wanted to be one of those guys that that you know say you know Kenny was a bust or Kenny Kenny didn't work out. I, I don't I don't like hearing that by myself. You know yeah. I got too much pride for myself. So um, those those are the things that that you know would bother me. So. Uh, to keep that away from me, I, I, I got to work hard and put in the work and make plays on the field in order to uh, keep that going. Incredible to hear from Kenny there. Um, you know, and God, how things have changed and how they haven't changed as well. So if you look back, he's the keystone of this defense where before he was coming in with so many legends in the locker room, it's good to hear from him. And the fact that, you know, he's more motivation than money, which certainly rings true. That's what they say. Do what you like. You never work a day in your life, blah, blah, blah. All that cliche. But, you know, if you do what you like, you tend to exceed at that. And that's certainly what Kenny's done. Now, to go from current players to someone who used to play for the team. And this is a guy who I could listen to him read the phone book. Uh, to everybody, he's a real source. Um, and the sound of the Packers, I guess, him and Wayne Larravee. And this is Larry McCarron, an absolute hero, a really tough guy. But I spoke with Larry and Cod up with him on the podcast um, a while ago. And I, in this query, I just asked him for his career highlights because he, you know, was around in the 80s. That was a really interesting team. And this is what Larry had to say. And if you look at your career now sort of at a distance and what would you, can you pick out a couple of moments that you remember really vividly that kind of stand out as the highlight of your career? I would say team-wise, the biggest one was our Monday night game in 1983 against the Washington Redskins. They were the defending Super Bowl champs. We were not, and we played them at Lambeau Field, and we beat them. They had Joe Theismann, John Riggins, 
Mark Murphy, who you've talked to on yeah. your podcast, <laughs> yeah. he was playing safety for him. And we beat him at Lambeau Field on Monday Night Football, 48-47. Mm. And it is still the highest scoring Monday Night Football game in history. And so collectively, as a team, that was a night for Packer football. Individually, getting fortunate enough to get named and voted into a couple of Pro Bowls, that was my individual highlight. But team-wise, you couldn't beat that win over the Redskins. And I remind Mr. Mark Murphy about it every once in a while. <laughs> I was just about to ask. I hope you do. Uh, it was that game, actually, Larry, that an awful lot of our fans from the 80s, that game made them fans once they saw that game. And, really? you know, the reigning, yeah, the reigning Super Bowl cool. champs. Honestly, they, we have this thing on the podcast where we get fan of the week and they come on and explain how they became yeah. fans. If they're fans in the 80s, they remember that game. They saw it on Channel 4 yeah. over here in the UK. Uh, and they're big fans really? because of it. So it's great that you're an integral part of that. That's absolutely fantastic. Oh, and uh, that's terrific that that you still have listeners that saw it. I mean, mm. that remember it because it was a great moment. But uh, even though it was a long, long time ago now, it's a great moment in Packer history. Certainly one of those games. Um, hey, it's Steve of the present here. Uh, certainly one of those games that an awful lot of the fans remember. Uh, but one of my favorite uh, tough Larry McCarron because I call him the Rock. Uh, so I went through his litany of injuries on that podcast. If you type in Larry McCarron special um, on the iTunes or Spotify, you should be able to find the full thing. Um, or if there's any appetite for it, I can always repost it. One of the things I asked him was just about his litany of injuries, which is fun to say, especially as an Irishman. Um, and the the biggest one to me was the story that uh, precedes this. So I let Larry take it away. But if you want to talk about toughness in the game, this was toughness in the game. But I have to say, Larry, and I'll end the whole injury talk here because I don't want to bring up sort of bad memories for you, but uh, 1983... No, it's okay. <laughs> it just shows how tough you are. And I, just, I really want to get that across to people, just how much, just how unbelievably tough you are. Um, you suffer carbon monoxide poisoning. Your whole family does, right? And you spend that Saturday in hospital, but it still doesn't stop you. Is that true? Oh, I, like I didn't know that. I didn't know that was out there. But yeah, actually, that was the hardest one. Uh, because uh, actually it was Saturday night, and, and at that time they allowed us to stay home before games. Mm. And uh, it was a Saturday night, and we're playing, again, we're playing the Bears on Sunday afternoon. And Saturday night, one of my kids, they were little at the time, my daughter, and she was just a little kid, and she came in, she woke us up, uh, my wife and myself, she woke us up and said, it hurts when I dream. Oh my God. Now, that's kind of an interesting way for a young person to say they have a headache. Yeah. It hurts when I dream. And we realize that, you know what, we have headaches too. And so we kind of started sniffing around and, and all of a sudden we realized, hey, you know, this is, this, there's something smelly about this house. Yeah. And so we, we got out, we got out and we called the fire department and so forth. And by that time, it's in the early hours of the morning, at say five, six o'clock in the morning. So I got a game at noon. So like why my wife sorted things out with the kids and the fire department and the emergency people and got out of the house and, and found a place to stay. I went to the hospital and I told the guy what the deal was. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, you got carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh my he said, you know, he kind of checked me. He said, you got carbon monoxide poisoning. 
And I said, I got a game at noon. I got a game <laughs> at noon. What can you do? He goes, we can pump you full of oxygen. Oh so that's God. what they did. That's what they did. So normally I was one of the first guys to the stadium. Mm. Well, I came there, like I got to the stadium right before we were supposed to go out to warm up and guys are going, where the hell were you? What were you doing? <laughs> and I kind of told them yeah. and uh, I didn't really tell the coaches. I didn't really tell the training staff. I just got dressed and went out and warmed up. And that was really difficult because the uh, carbon monoxide kind of sapped your will. Yeah. It was very difficult to play. And uh, by halftime I had run around enough and got enough oxygen flowing and, and blood flowing mm-hmm. by halftime. I was all right, yeah. but getting to halftime was really difficult. Uh, Cause like I said, the hard part, it kind of sapped your will and mm. uh, made you feel just uh, really scuzzy. So yeah, that was, a, that was another time where the, the good Lord smiled on me and let me get through again. But the, uh, the good Lord smiled on you and made you live. That's incredible. So that, that, that was <laughs> fatal, Larry, wasn't that? Yeah. Well, I, well, again, the whole family, it was fortunate, uh, but, uh, my daughter woke up, so she woke us all up. So it's it just one of those things that worked out uh, the best of good. A real nice walk back through memory lane. It's really nice to listen back to all of those podcasts. And there's so many more uh, with some stellar players. And I might sort of add a segment to future podcasts just to kind of go back and revisit little snippets of those. Because it's great to hear from legends like Larry and the, the things that he's seen and done. Um, and of course, Mason, who's, you know, let's face it, he's on the back nine of his career, an incredible career uh, with Green Bay. And, you know, it's it's like, and again, people might think he can carry away, but like Messi and Ronaldo, uh, you know, good with their feet. Um, you'd look at a player like him and think, let's just enjoy him while we have him. And he's a captain of the team and people love him. And he's been through a lot, especially over the past year. So it's always good to get his input. He's always so down to earth, you know, even though he's a, a living legend now um, around Green Bay. And of course, Kenny, who started off so fresh, so naive, so young. Uh, but again, such a strong start to his career. Uh, so it's good to walk back through that. So I guess that kind of concludes the history segment of the podcast with being able to look back at some of those star-studded interviews. But anyway, that's the podcast for this week. As I said, uh, there will be guests coming up. Uh, there will be more to talk about as training camp starts to get into full swing and we start to see what we have in this season. But until next week, uh, I've been at Steve the NFL. It's a big go pack go from me. Make sure you tune into the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash UK Packers. And of course, visit the website and catch up on some of the old podcast episodes. And until then, till next week, it's go pack go.